Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordane Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are doing another one of these buzzy streaming holiday things a la Happiest Season a la A Christmas Prince a la I am very tired. Specifically tired. Because this single all the way is not a movie. It's not. Yeah, Single All the Way came out this year, 2021. If you have Netflix, which, let's be real, you, I'm sure you do. <laughs> you have likely seen this advertised. It is one of the holiday movies from this year that Netflix has been pushing on the homepage with those, you know, automatic play previews. And it is starring Michael, Michael Urey. He plays Peter, which is kind of the main protagonist. He was in Ugly Betty. He's done soap. He, he did, he was in Bobby, he was Bobby Kearns in As the Curtain Rises, which is an original podcast soap opera. I mean, he's in a lot of stuff. So yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. He was a modern family for, you know, the whole time he's been in Younger. And then we have Philemon Chambers. He plays Nick. It looks like his career is relatively new. He was in a movie called Hearts and Castles. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is kind of full of people who I feel like we're going to see. I th- feel like we're going to see him again in another holiday movie. I definitely think so. And because like the other the other main gay guy is uh, Luke McFarlane. He plays James and he has been in a lot of Hallmark movies. Oh, yeah. So so many Hallmark movies. Just add romance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This is. This is so great. We're never going to run out of Hallmark movies to do. We will never. We could do this podcast for like 40 years just based on Hallmark movies alone. But yes, yes. So Single All the Way, it's directed by Michael Mayer, who also directed A Home at the End of the World, which is probably his best movie. That's a movie that my brother made me watch a lot. Um, And also Flicka, The Thing with the Horse, and The Seagull, the Chekhov adaptation and I, I mean, he's really phoning it in here, <laughs> like a full phone. Yeah, I don't, I mean, unless there's some really big disconnect from the directing and the editing and what finally hit the screen, it does not feel like this was a project he cared about in a deep way. No, and this was also, it was, it was written by Chad Hodge, who also has a screenwriting credit on one of those young adult movies, The Darkest Minds. I don't get what <laughs> what the connection is, but okay. I I really feel like I don't I don't. It, this is a chicken and egg scenario, right? I don't know if Netflix was like, okay, we want to we want something that fits this basic description. We're just gonna kind of see who's available and you know who we can afford, or if this was pitched in a haphazard way. It's very hard to know, especially with the annual holiday movies from Netflix, which as you know we've talked about some of them some of them are really delightful and some of them aren't and many of them are a mix this one just feels you said it best um we when we were watching it that it just doesn't feel like there's a director no this movie doesn't feel directed this barely feels like a movie like and and it's just weird because we have this whole cast we have jennifer coolidge we have kathy najimi we have jennifer robertson barry bostwick and i truly do not understand why 
everyone just seems so generic. Well, except for except for Jennifer Coolidge, because Jennifer Coolidge can never seem generic. Like she would have to try very hard. Yeah, like she's still Jennifer Coolidge. But even like Kathy Najimy is just like she's just it's there. like she's like blanded out in this. And then like Jennifer Robertson, I felt like they asked her to just play Jocelyn from Schitt's Creek, but in a completely different setting, so it makes it less funny because so much of what makes Jocelyn from Schitt's Creek funny is the context. And But it, it's weird because all of the people of the parental generation, I'm using that in quotes because, I mean, this is a movie about adults, so everyone could be a parent, but the, the grandparents slash main parents, they're all heavy-hitting actors. And, and even, I mean, like the main guys, like most of them have some experience i mean michael yuri's been acting a lot for a long time so it's it there's all the ingredients for this to be a lot more fun than it is like i i don't think that as is i could see ingredients for like a great film you know like like a like a long lasting but i think that this movie could have been funnier and more fun and felt more like a movie than it does and i don't think that would have even taken that much more work but it doesn't feel like the directing or the amount of time they had to make it or even just some script punch-ups in certain places it it feels like it was rushed yeah it's pacing wise it just doesn't it just doesn't feel like a movie like i when i was watching it last night i felt like it was like almost like on fast forward not like super quickly but like more like the way that people talk the way that scenes move the way that conversations just abruptly end it, there's just nothing it it the way that it moves there's no like proper rhythm and it just seems like everybody is flailing even Jennifer Coolidge who is amazing like she's a, amazing because she's just doing what she wants to do she's like she's not taking she, any direction no she's, she's just being herself she's like I'm gonna be funny I'm I'm a very Jennifer Coolidge character you know she plays Aunt Sandy and she's like kind of the has-been never was actress who's now trying to direct this pageant and it's like she just plays up the camp of it all and doesn't even it doesn't even seem like she's trying to take cues from anyone else because it feels like people and you know I actually do wonder about this with COVID and everything with COVID protocols when this was all filmed because that would explain a lot when it comes to the weird pacing you know how much time did they have for filming it feels like everybody was in separate rooms. It almost feels like it was a movie where people did dialogue over Zoom and then it was copy and pasted together. Obviously, you see all the characters are in the same space, but that's how disconnected it feels pacing-wise. The conversations either feel like they're happening too fast or too slow. It's hard to describe unless you've watched it, and I, I don't suggest you watch no. it. Not because it's going to like ruin your life, but because it is an hour and 40 minutes, which is definitely 20 minutes too long life at least. is precious. Yes. Life is precious. Like usually, you know, we tr- we try to be fair. We try to be nice on this podcast, but this this time, this fucking time, no. Absolutely not. This is garbage. And it sucks because we want to like this. We want gay holiday rom-coms. We need that. Like, come on, bring it on. I mean, you know, this is a plot that we've seen a lot on this podcast, the basic trope of the plot, which is desperate to avoid his family's judgment about being single. Peter, you know, Michael Urie's character, persuades his best friend Nick, Philemon Chambers' character, to pose as his boyfriend on a trip home for the holidays. We love a fake partner. Mm -hmm. We love a fake partner trope. It's it's overdone. It's usually it's usually overdone and underwritten, but it's still usually a fun shenanigan to see play out. And that's part of what makes this movie so disappointing is 
one of the basic ingredients you need for that trope to work is for the characters who are friends, who are supposed to actually fall in love, for them to have some chemistry. So even if the plot is convoluted or, you know, it's predictable, you still get to watch the actual romance of the rom-com. But they yeah. don't... Philemon Chambers and Michael Yuri, they feel like pals... They do not feel romantic. And honestly, even as pals, it feels really awkward. I was just about to say, they seem like pals that like just like they feel like two like for some reason, gay youth pastors who have bonded because they have worked with kids together and they're getting to know each other, but they're not that close yet. That's yeah, because <laughs> it's like a certain kind of politeness that I feel like is is what happens when you're new in a friendship yeah. and you're not able to like joke as openly or like, I don't know the, there's not a depth to the kindness yet. It's just yeah. kind of this n surface niceness. That's how they feel all yeah. the time. It's like, Oh, Hey man, how are you? Good. Cool. All right. <laughs> you know, it's like if I run into someone that I kind of know who I like, but I don't know. And I'm like, hi, how are you? You know, we don't know what to say. That's the energy that Michael Yuri and, and, or I will say Peter and Nick have. And, Okay, so I get, we'll, we'll start Wait, at the beginning. which one is Peter and which one is Nick? I've seen this movie twice. <laughs> Peter is the white guy. Nick is the black guy. Okay, That's the it, easiest way to... Got it, got it, So the movie starts with Peter. He, like, he has an apartment full of plants, and he's like at his job. There's like a photo shoot. I don't really understand even why his job is included because it doesn't really matter in the rest of the movie, apparently. Um, but like, it's clear that he's not happy and he's going to go to this holiday party and he's excited because he's not happy at his job, but he's excited because he finally has a boyfriend and he's always been single and everybody's always given a hum him a hard time about it. And so he goes to this holiday party and he's really excited to introduce everyone to like his hot boyfriend who's a doctor and the doctor comes and it's fine. It's weird because it's all like, oh, I got to introduce everyone. But then you don't see the doctor interact with anyone. You just see him and Peter talk briefly. <laughs> and Peter's like, do you want to come home with me to meet my family? And the doctor is all cagey. And he's like, oh, wow, I don't know about all that. And then Peter's just like, damn, OK. And then this is where this is like the movie gets convoluted from the very first 10 minutes. And that's just the that's just the track you're on. So. Peter is roommates with Nick. Nick is, he has published a children's book about his dog that he rescued. Mm -hmm. And apparently it was like a bestseller and it made money. So he has like money in the bank. He's fine. He's not like, you know, a millionaire, but he's got like. That is also just like the whitest thing I've ever heard of. I'm so funny. That's, that's <laughs> such a funny backstory to give a black man. I'm sorry. I know. They're like, this black man wrote a, a book, a children's book about a dog. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like, of course you can, but it's like this dude is, that's such a random thing. It's so random. I feel like this. Yeah, absolutely. And and so there's this ongoing thing where Nick is always working for TaskRabbit because he doesn't want to dip into his children's book money. It's weird to me that he is successful enough at writing to do a children's book that's a bestseller, but then the only other job he can do is TaskRabbit. Now, I want to make a disclaimer. This is not me shitting on TaskRabbit. I have done TaskRabbit, so that's not my thing. It's weird that he's connected enough in L.A. that he's a bestselling author, but his only other way to make money is TaskRabbit. But not only that, but he, <laughs> he like, I'm like, he's not like writing content. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, 
Um, but that I'm like, okay, we are in the gig economy. We're all hustling. So whatever. But the weirdest thing about his relationship with TaskRabbit is that Nick loves it. Like he actually says there are actually lines where he's like, I love TaskRabbit because I'm helping people, sir. You no, no, it's it's a job. No, no, no. It's okay. This is, this is the point where, like, I wish there was just like more black people in the movie so that somebody could ask him, "Are you okay? Like, are you safe?" Right? Because, like, I why else would you? It just sounds he just sounds like a robot when he says that. Absolutely. I mean, he's giving, like, he definitely seems like he's been dosed or something. This man does not seem okay. He's like constantly. Also, the amount of times I wish I had made it a drinking game. The amount of times that TaskRabbit is mentioned, I am convinced that this is sponsored by TaskRabbit or that they gave Netflix money and they're like, can you just name drop us a bunch? <laughs> it's just like, wow, TaskRabbit. Like, even if, like, you really are deranged enough to love TaskRabbit, like, who talks about... Who, who talks about it all the time? Who, who does this? Like, I understand liking working. I understand liking doing weird jobs. Like, yeah, same. So it's like, that's fine. But the way that he loves it is so weird. And, yeah, it creeps me out. So... So Nick is working on a task rabbit gig on this roof and this woman is talking to him and she's just like, yeah, like I'm so happy you're doing this. She's telling him how the last task rabbit guy died. She's like, yeah, he fell off the roof. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, okay, why is this happening? He's like, okay, can you stop talking to me so I can just fix the roof? And then her husband comes home and guess who her husband is. Her husband is Peter's doctor boyfriend who doesn't want to go meet his family. And, Also, he's styled different, so the first moment I didn't recognize who it was, but then in the next scene, Nick is, like, telling Peter, and then Peter immediately calls the doctor and is like, what, you have a wife and a family? And it happens so fast, and it's so convoluted. I'm like... You could literally... You could just, like, turn around for a second and miss it. Literally, it's, like, a minute. And that's, like, a big reveal. And also, okay, they are in L.A. The likelihood... That they're in L.A. and Nick happens to to work on the roof of the wife of the guy that Peter's fucking like, I'm sorry, that is way too big of a city for that to happen. I get that this is rom-com logic, but that's a big leap to take right away. Yeah, it's just it's just too much. There's so many coincidences in this movie and so many characters that don't need to be there. Like, I just can't imagine getting hired to just like stand and yell at a man on a roof and like like just like a couple lines. Like, it's so wild. I know. After that. Absolutely. I hope she got her SAG card from that because like I hope I hope she got something from from that. So when um, Peter realizes that his boyfriend, you know, actually has a family and he's in the closet, then he's like this continues his spiral about like, see, this is me. I'm always single and I'm going to go home for the holidays and my family's going to be like so upset. So then he has the idea, the idea of ideas that he should take Nick home and his family already knows Nick. They already love him because he's his friend. So why don't we just pretend we're dating? Why not? Right. It's just like, and it's just like your Christmas doesn't matter. Your life doesn't matter. Don't you want to just, play around with a bunch of white people that you don't know who are just going to talk to you like an assistant that they're obsessed with. (laughs) No, literally because like Nick, Nick is like, Oh, well I want to do a staycation. I love staycation. And I was like, that was one of the only moments in the movie that I related to. I was like, yeah, I love a staycation. I love like, I'm just spending Christmas in New York this year. I'm like, I love that. 
But but Peter's like, well, you could do a staycation anytime. Also, you've never done a staycation before because you've always had a boyfriend. So like, why are you acting like a solo staycation is special? And I'm like, wow, dude, way to tell your friend how to spend his time. <laughs> that is very possessive to me. Like, you do not respect his time. You really know. And so, and also, because his mom thought that he was going to be single, she sets him up with this, with this guy who's like a, who works at the gym, like a gym instructor. Yeah, he's a gym instructor and he works on the ski slopes nearby. This is Luke McFarlane character. His name is James. Yeah. So like. Just, you know, he's just a guy. Yeah. He's just a generic guy. (laughs) Yeah. Like basically like Peter, Nick ends up saying, sure, I'll go with you to hang out with your family. But Peter hasn't told them yet. Oh, we're dating. So when they get there before they can go on with their lie, his mom is like, yeah, I'm setting up with this other guy. And like Nick is kind of relieved and I can't blame him because he's like, okay, cool. I can just hang out here then. (laughs) Like I don't have to pretend to be your boyfriend. (laughs) And then Peter's mad at him and is like, what? What? Why did you say it was okay for me to go on a blind date? Why are you making this? Why are, why? This is not this man's business. Right. Like you don't need to involve him. I I don't understand. Absolutely. And, and like this whole, also like when they get back there immediately, Nick, the whole going back to the task rabbit thing, the whole family just asks Nick to do all these chores and he's like, okay, I'll do it. Cause I'm the task rabbit guy. And I'm just like, why are all these white people making this black guy do all this work for free? This does not feel good. No, it doesn't. And then when he's just like, I love helping. I'm just like, is this, is I, and I never make this kind of joke. So you know that I'm serious this time. This feels like a get out situation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it really does. It really does. And so of course, Peter and James go on the date and like James is all like handsome. Like the first moment we see him, he's like in the gym and he's like covered in his sweat and it's like, Ooh yeah. And you know, I mean, this is a Hallmark actor. So this is like what resting Hallmark face and Peter's all nervous and they get coffee. And like, the thing is James is a really nice guy. Like there's nothing wrong with him. He seems very sweet. And Peter is a little snobby at first and is like, why would you live anywhere that is in L.A.? <laughs> okay, yeah, and that just comes to the, uh, the mo- other most annoying thing about this movie is that he constantly talks about wanting to move back to New Hampshire because his career isn't going well and his love life isn't going well and he thinks that a small town in New Hampshire is going to fix those things. Yeah, Absolutely. So that's like if I decided I was going to move back to my hometown of Augusta, Georgia, so that I could like find a spouse. Like I've already dated everyone there. Yeah, it's (laughs) yeah, no, exactly. It's so weird because in this first date with James, he's just like, why, why do you live here? Like you're, you're a cute gay guy. And James is like, well, I really like skiing. I really like teaching people um like he's genuine and happy and it makes sense for him and he's like yeah it does suck for dating there's like no one to date but you know i like my life and peter's just like oh whatever and then literally in the next scene he's like i think i want to move back here and the movie it's honestly this is a movie that is full of tropes and you know suspension of disbelief but like you said jordan this is one of the plot points that's the hardest for me to get get over the whiplash like that he's just every single time he says it and the fact is is that the, that the script doesn't know how to sell it to us so he keeps just saying 
I want to move back home. I want to move back home. And then when he goes on this date with this other guy, he's like, I want to move back home. It's like, this guy is just trying to get his dick wet. Like, I don't, why are you dropping this on him? Like, literally, you're home for, like, a week. I'm pretty sure this guy was just like, oh, cool, I'll have, like, a holiday hookup. Like, you know, when 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 you go home for the holidays and you're single and you like go on a date or you go to a bar, like that's pretty classic, right? You like go, you have a little holiday hookup and that person doesn't think you're going to fall in love and like date. And you normally don't either. (laughs) And I just feel like this guy, James just kind of wanted to get laid, but he is genuinely a nice person. So he's not being entitled or creepy. He's just like, okay. And he's just confused why this other guy, Peter is just spilling his whole life onto him. Like Peter's like, I guess. And I guess the reason that the movie gives for Peter wanting to move back is like, Oh, he misses his family. And I'm like, okay, sure. But we don't really know enough about what he wants. All we know is that Peter likes plants and he wants to open up a plant shop. And I kept thinking, okay, If you are from a small town in New Hampshire, unless you're, there's a difference between a plant shop and like a gardening shop. Mm -hmm. And he he specifically talks about a plant shop. A plant shop is going to be much more successful in a big city where people don't have gardens and they want to have plants inside the house, inside the apartment. If you're in a small, more rural space where people have their own yards, it's less likely that people are going to buy a ton of house plants and more likely that they're going to buy seeds and gardening things. I know this is like really dumb thing for me to get no, fixated on. you're right. But it's one you're of the big parts right. of the plot. And I think, honestly, even if they tweaked that a little, like if he was really into landscaping or gardening or really being outside, it would make so much more sense for him to want to move home because... He'd be skiing. He'd be like working in nature. Like if he, instead of having a plant store, he wanted to like work in a forest. I would get it. But he's just like a guy who moved to LA and likes plants. Like we don't know anything else. Why did, why did he move to LA? People (laughs) act like it's like a really like, like you can, you can like your plant, but the way that people talk about it, people talk like, like no one has ever liked plants before. Like, it's just like, wow, he likes plants. It's really fun. It is very like, he is a plant dad. (laughs) He's a plant dad. This is the first plant dad (laughs) rom-com. The first gay plant dad rom-com. So he goes on these dates with James, but meanwhile, the family is harassing Nick because it's not enough for him to do chores. They now are like, actually, now that Peter's going on dates, we think that you should be with him. What do you think? And I feel so bad for this man because they're because I really beyond just the casting issue of there being no romantic chemistry. He really doesn't seem like he secretly has a crush on Peter. So it really just seems like this nice guy is being harassed by the family. Like, you know, the nieces who are teenagers are like, oh, like you, you both seem like you have a connection and everything. Yeah, and well, everybody's just forcing it on him. Like, there's that scene where he's on the roof, and then the two, like, t- is dudes, two teenage nieces, cousins, I don't know, are just like, we're not going to give you the ladder back until you admit that you like him. And it's just like, why are you torturing this black Also, man? that's psycho. That is psycho it's to take away the ladder. The You're going to make this black man be trapped on a roof because you want him to be with your uncle who obviously doesn't know what he wants because he wants to move back now. I mean, and you know, there's one scene where Peter is like talking to Nick about LA and he's like, I've just, I've had my heart broken seven times. And it makes me wonder why he moved to LA. Did he move to LA to get a husband? Like, 
you know. And he also, w- just like if you, if what you're like, if your passion is plants, like, why are you working on social media campaigns? Like, I, like, I mean, I get it. You have to work, but it just seems like so, like, far away from what he's actually interested in. And he seems genuinely annoyed that he has to do his job whenever he has to do it. Yeah, it's really <laughs> the movie does not really just doesn't flesh him out well enough for any of that to make sense. So, I mean, during all of this, Jennifer Coolidge is, <laughs> she's Aunt Sandy, and she's, like, created this pageant that she wrote. She's putting all this stage energy into it, and all of the nieces and nephews have to be in it, and that's, like, a whole side thing. And it's kind of a nothing plot line, but it's fun because it's Jennifer Coolidge. But, like, honestly, if she wasn't in those scenes, I wouldn't care at all about the pageant. It's just very much reminding us that this is a holiday movie, And so there's got to be kids being cute and there's got to be vaguely Christian references. Got to be apparently the entire family just swarming around these two gay men trying to force them into a relationship, obsessively eavesdropping on them, being like, and then just like doing, I don't know, it's just like, you need someone. It's just like, I mean, really, like, no. Yeah. No. Right. Because, like, there's this scene when when Peter gets back from one of, I think, his second date with James. And I should know that every date that he goes on with James, James is wonderful. He's super nice. He's very genuine. And Peter is always looking at his phone because, oh, he got a text from his niece. And he's always just, like, talking about Nick. And, like, and you can tell that James is like, okay, so do you want to be on this date? Do you want to just go hang out with your family and your friend? And Peter's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. He's just, he's an awful date. He's never present. Mm -hmm. He, and he does talk about Nick enough that it makes sense for James to be like, do you like your friend? I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's weird. Like, I get mentioning your friend, like, every once in a while, but, like. That's a lot. Like, showing pictures of your friend on your dates is weird. (laughs) Like, so they get back, uh, Peter gets back from the date, and Nick is outside, and he has, like, reindeer ears on or something, and it makes me so sorry for him. I'm sure this actor will be fine, though. He's very cute, and he he does what he can with the script, so he'll, he'll get other work. But Peter and Nick are talking, and the family is all looking out the window. The The teen nieces are looking out the window and they're like, see, they're smiling while they talk to each other. That means they want to be together. And then Kathy Najimi is like, Kathy Najimi plays Peter's mom. And she's always talking about how she read this book about LGBTT people. And like, she's trying to be a better mom. And so she's like, no, two gay men can be friends. I know us straight people think that they can't. They keep saying, they say this over and over again in the movie, but then, but the point is. The point is that they are in love. And like, why even, why even like put, put a lampshade on it? If you're not really going to be like, huh, this is fucked up, (laughs) that we're just like obsessing over them. And it acts like nobody has anything else to do than to just like obsessively just like stand around and like try to specifically the neck, just like constantly bothering that man. Oh, yeah. And I I mean, to me, I was like, why does Peter want to move back? This is smothering. This is like not healthy. And, and my take was that his family's really bored, so they're trying to live vicariously. 
So they're all standing by the window watching him and Nick talk. And Nick, Nick and him don't look like they have chemistry in that moment. They're just smiling. But they're like, oh, my God, see, they're smiling. I'm like, well, I would hope that you and your best friends smile at each other. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, nobody has friends in the family, I guess. So they're just like, what is this? And they all decide before the men can walk in. They're like, OK, we've got to do something. We've got to stop Peter from going on dates with the guy that we've set him up with. And instead keep harassing his friend (laughs) so that they can get together. And the dad is like, who's played by Barry Boswick. He's like, Oh yeah. Well, I already talked to Nick about how I think him and Peter should be together. I'm like, is this man? Okay. Is Nick? Okay. It really is a get out situation. And it's also just like Peter. It's obvious that what's going on with Peter is that he is like, you know, feeling some kind of, like, crisis. He's at a crossroads in his life. And I just don't understand why you would suggest that person, like, jumped into a relationship. Right, like, hey, my son doesn't really know who he is or what he wants right now, and you're his friend, and so I think that this is a good time for him to be in a relationship with you. What do you think? Do you want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't know what they're doing? <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's that's, really that's selfish. Like, it doesn't... Like, that's like unattractive. Honestly. Yeah. And it doesn't think about Nick's feelings and what he wants. It's like, well, you seem like you're doing well. Why don't you help our son do better? And he's like, well, I do love TaskRabbit. So you know what? This sounds like, good. I'm like, are like, are these the first white people that have like not been overtly hostile to you? Because w- these people are awful. Like why? I mean, I mean, they're, they're very awful in a normal way, which I think is what makes it almost more frustrating because it is just such a normalized way of being self-centered where they're just like, come on, do this for us. And he's just like, okay, I'd love to. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Go fix our roof and marry our son. <laughs> Cause like also marriage is still very much the focus. Like this is very much like, okay, gay marriage is legal now. So when are you going to get married? That's the energy. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just, so little like actual content in the film too like it's just there's nothing like going on it sucks because doing anything i mean again like you know we said at the beginning i want to like this like i really don't like not liking this you know, I feel more sad that I don't like something. If it's like a gay love story, I feel more sad that I don't like it. You know, I want, Mm -hmm. I wanted this to be funnier. I wanted it to be like just bad enough to cover for the podcast, but like fun, bad. I didn't want it to be, there's so many moments that feel like a target commercial in here too, which, you know, there's nothing really to say about them, but there's like weird montages where people are singing a Christmas song that literally sounds like a Nokia jingle for target. Mm. Like there's a scene where Peter and his nieces are dancing and then we see Nick and Nick is watching Peter and it's like, Oh wow. Handsome, you know? And like, uh, I, I just like, what does this movie need? A heart? Yeah. Yeah, it just it doesn't have any it doesn't have any heart. It's just like kind of like a DOA. Yeah, I feel like where there's supposed to be heart, there's small talk. Like in, in, on the emotional temperature, it's like small talk instead of a heart to heart. It's like acquaintances being friendly instead of best friends. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and it's and it's really like kind of I don't know. It's like kind of like offensive, not like I'm clutching my pearls way, but in just like I like 
you really like don't respect your audience in like any way at all. Well, yeah, that that was the other thing that made me sad is I was like, this kind of blows for people that are excited about a gay rom-com, you know, like it kind of sucks that it kind of sucks that this is what they get because, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah it, there's like, I want to watch like a fun gay rom-com. Me too. And I want it to be able to be corny. Like, I don't think I don't I don't want to uphold the idea that often happens in art that if like anyone from a marginalized group makes something, it has to be eight times better. I don't think it should. I think everyone should be able to be mediocre. That's my <laughs> that's my activism. Everyone can be mediocre sometimes. But this is just it's not it, it doesn't feel like a full movie. And it makes me really sad because there's a lot of very funny people who are in it. There's a lot of the ingredients. I mean, it's it's Netflix. So even though it's one of the ones they pump out, Netflix has plenty of money. You know, this isn't some small indie situation where they don't have enough money for a set or anything. I, yeah, I have a lot of questions about the behind the scenes, honestly. And I think, I mean, we covered Happiest Season last year. Mm. And, you know, we had plenty of critiques for Happiest Season, but we both enjoyed it. And, like, it was a fun movie. It's something that I've seen a few times now. And I think it has a place. And I don't think this one does. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, there's no real, like iconic moment except for I guess maybe when somebody's like oh well Peter has a date and Jennifer Coolidge is like like uh, like from Grinder." oh yeah like there's definitely a few <laughs> lines that are very funny and I would say 90% of them are Jennifer Coolidge and I think that's part of the reason that I'm disappointed is I do think it could have been funny like even with this same basic plot I think it, with some punch-ups it could have been funny and really leaned into the camp of it but that's the problem is it doesn't do that enough. It's still trying to be wholesome without the heart. And I wish it would have just let it be funny since it's not, it doesn't actually have romantic chemistry. So yeah, I mean, I guess happiest season would be the antidote. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This other movie that's like flawed, at least it's not as flawed as this one. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do, I mean, I do feel more and more that, yeah, Sometimes when it comes to suggesting something, we're just like, well, there's another thing. It's also got problems, but less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least, like, Happiest Season, like, has Aubrey Plaza in that dress. Yes, it does. Happiest so Season has more, even though we talked about elements of it that felt sexless, it still has more sexiness in it. There's no sex. In there's no sexiness in this one. This one feels very Christian. That The youth pastor... Thing. Yeah, There's, yeah, yeah. No, I feel like this is this is the kind of movie that you show to your family to try to make them feel like gay is okay. It's like, look, Netflix made a movie. Yeah, no, that's true. Oh, <laughs> yeah. If you have a family member that you need to normalize gay people to, then maybe maybe you have them watch this. I don't know, <laughs> because it does it does explicitly be like gay people do this or that or don't they? And I thought a lot of those moments were trying to be jokes, and some of them worked, but. I think again, like the delivery and direction, it didn't it didn't hit in the way it could have. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are listening to this, we really appreciate you, and we hope that whether you celebrate holidays or not, whatever your your December is like, we hope that it's well hydrated. We hope that you're having some nice cider or some cocoa, um, taking care of yourself, logging off, all of the things. And of course, our theme song is by Clutch Douglas. 
We always love a review. If you want to leave a review, you don't have to write words. Just leave some stars. We love stars. The more, the better. Yeah. You should also follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. And we have a new social media account, <gasps> Yes. Uh, we have a TikTok now. So I would love for you to jump on TikTok. If you're on the talk, um, come find us. Bad Romance Pod. So very easy to find. It's brand new. And, you know, just want to have fun on even more of the Internet. So come come do some video riffs with us. Yes, please do. And, you know, I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. Bye. Bye.